Welcome to the Startup Creative Podcast. I'm your host, Kayleen Langford, founder of Startup Creative, your go-to source for straight-up business advice. Hi guys and welcome to the Startup Creative Podcast. I'm your host, Kayleen. And on today's episode, I'm chatting with Sam, who's an incredibly smart man and one of the co-founders of Bear. Bear is a luxury wellness brand that specializes in essential daily vitamins, super powders and natural skincare. And Sam and Sasha, his wife, started this brand a number of years ago after years of developing their idea for a product that would stand out in the wellness and health marketplace. After doing a bit of research, they realized that there was a lot of um, crap in vitamins and they couldn't find something that they were looking for. So the cool thing about their story is not only are they not from the wellness space at all, Sasha's background is fashion and lifestyle, Sam comes from marketing at high-end luxury brands, um, but they use those combined skill sets to build what you'll, you'll now see as bare I personally have been trying the vitamins and as somebody who's come from a background of using naturopaths as my health practitioners and and looking for ways to optimize my body for energy, I've really been enjoying enjoying the Explore and um, it's got lots of vitamin C, vitamin B and yeah, um, I know that that's really good for my energy so I've been using it and I think the reason the brand stood out for me was that Um, it's very well designed so they've spent a lot of time and as a result have had incredible success with stockists across the globe so I won't take up any more of your time because Sam has an MBA which is way more qualified than I am and the way that he articulates his story and his advice along the way is very eloquent easy to follow and game changer We've also tuned in for the end because the Bear team have given you a discount code if you'd like to try out their vitamins. And just for the record, this is not sponsored at all. I always pick my interviews based on brands that I naturally love and admire and that I'm intrigued by and that I'm impressed by. So when I have been spending some time in Byron Bay and realized that Bear um, run their company out of the industrial state, um, I luckily enough landed across a contact that got me um, a meeting with Sam and the beautiful team at Bear actually hand delivered my um, vitamins to my house. So all around it's been an amazing customer service experience with the team at Bear. Even better to hear their backstory and you know their generosity in giving you guys a startup creative code to try this out. Um, that's the kind of brand that I like to work with and neither of us have been paid for for this content. So enjoy the episode. I look forward to hearing what you think and enjoy the vitamins if you decide to give them a crack. Hi, Sam, and welcome to the Startup Creative Podcast. Thanks for tuning in at nine o'clock on a Friday morning. No, thanks for having me, Kay. Great to be here. Yeah, I um, I have been just sharing with you now before we started recording about how much I love everything about your brand you know it definitely caught my attention from its packaging and its branding and your Instagram is beautiful um, but then as I started to really dig into it I fell even more in love because you know it ticks so many boxes for me in terms of it's like it you know makes vitamins look appealing and inspired to want to take them 
Um, but it's also got this incredible, deeply rooted, ethical, sustainable and natural um, vibe in everything that you do from your ingredients to your packaging and your sourcing. Um, so congratulations on Beth. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, obviously, you're having great success. You know, I've seen, been through your website and seen a lot of the press that you've had um, across the world. You've got incredible stockists now with Sephora. Is that a new one? Yeah, they are. They're probably our, our most recent partner here in Australia and New Zealand. And uh, yeah, it really capped off a, a strong start to the year. But um, but yeah, I certainly appreciate yeah. your comments because when we set out to to launch the brand early on, we knew we wanted it to look very different, to have a really thoughtful design uh, philosophy and aesthetic that was applied to a category that, you know, traditionally didn't have any of those principles applied to it. But we also quickly learnt through that early insight period that, you know, it needed to be scientifically backed, evidence-based um, and really respected from a medical and nutritional science perspective. So uh, it's really important that people understand that the aesthetic difference that probably exists and that's what probably attracts and appeals to a lot of people. But also to your point, when you really start to uh, unravel the, the detail within each product and within each formulation now and, and our broader approach to ethical and sustainable business that um, all of those areas are, are just as important as the way the brand looks and, and carries itself. Absolutely. And I think now more than ever coming out of so many global crises and and such deep feelings with people really connecting to what they care about um, and definitely seeing an unfolding of how much people are starting to choose brands based on not just the look and the feel or who's wearing it or using it, um, but also what they stand for and, and are they um, transparent and authentic in everything that they do. So, yeah, yeah. you guys are... Such a strong movement, right? I think it's, if anything, we've taken away from from COVID and a, and a pandemic is that I think we want to know where our products are coming from. We want to know what certain ingredients do and why they're included in products. And, and I think the consumer education that people have been undergoing themselves, kind of using the pandemic to really educate them as, themselves about what, what particular ingredients are in the food they're eating, in the beauty products they're applying to their skin and, and ingestible products they're ingesting. And that's only a good thing, right? I think the more educated we can become, around what we're consuming every day the more sustainable you know the yeah. community come as well oh absolutely i feel like we're jumping ahead here because we're, we already yeah. got started <laughs> before but yeah. let's um for our listeners at home why don't we yeah. introduce yourself and and what you do um with bear and tell us a little bit about where the idea started and um so you run the company with your partner um and yeah tell us your backstory yeah, absolutely. So I, coming out of year 12, went into a, a Bachelor of Communication at RMIT in Melbourne. And at the time, that was very much a broad-based communications degree because I wasn't, like a lot of young people, didn't really know, you know, that directory or the trajectory that I, I wanted to take my professional life. Uh, but it was amazing and gave us a great platform, I think, for applying how you communicate, you know, in a wide variety of in professional domains and that fortunately led me to secure an internship at Mercedes-Benz Australia Pacific, so the head office uh, for the, the group based in Melbourne. And that was an amazing opportunity because 
I started as a, a marketing intern and, and then spent the next six years uh, really evolving alongside the company's growth and was able to move into a, a marketing coordinator, then a marketing manager role. And then uh, towards the latter half of my time at Mercedes-Benz, I completed my MBA um, part-time with the Melbourne Business School and also the University of St. Gallen in Switzerland. And so that kind of allowed me to take a bit of a pivot pivoting movement from marketing towards more corporate and business strategy. And I was so fortunate towards the end, Kay, that I was, you know, I was reporting to the, the CEO. I was a guest member of the board of directors and was leading the strategy and innovation team at, at what is a, a pretty big multi-billion dollar entity of a much larger luxury company. So, mm. you know, looking back on that experience, I was so fortunate. You know, I, I absolutely worked hard and was committed to, to really driving new projects for the company, but that was also returned. And I think there was an element of loyalty because I, when I started, um, I started with actually a group of other interns that were all a similar age and, you know, throughout that six years, they'd all kind of left um, over the first two to three years. And it just also instilled in me that there isn't that much loyalty from employees and employers anymore. And so that when you have a really strong relationship between the two, you know, you really can grow and evolve and develop projects that do have meaning for you. And that was something that I really took away from that experience. And it was probably in, well, it was in 2015, Sasha and I, um, I was still working at Mercedes-Benz at the time. Sasha was heavily involved in the fashion and creative industries, having studied kind of advertising and copywriting and been to award school. And our initial insight for Bear was standing at a, a discount chemist in Melbourne, just in the, su- the supplement aisle case we were mm. kind of talking about recently that it's, it is a tidal wave of confusion. It's misinformation, misdirection, and it's just this fog. I think people just really struggle. Even if you are educated in the space, it's difficult to decode what you should take, what ingredients you should take, how many tablets you should be taking, what brands you can genuinely trust. And then we later, having walked out of that in, that environment that day, discovered that even at a naturopath, even at a health food store, you know, those brands in those environments are actually owned by the same brands that you're buying at a, a chemist or a supermarket. And that kind of led us down this path of research and discovery that uh, we kind of were seeking uh, brands with higher quality standards, higher ethical and sustainability standards from other categories in our lives but in the supplement and ingestible space and even the beauty space, we felt like there was a real gap and a real problem that needed to be solved. And, you know, as I said earlier, we were fortunate that I was completing a portion of my MBA at the University of St. Gallen in Switzerland, just outside of Zurich. And that allowed us to kind of have this global perspective because we had the idea probably a year before we were living in Zurich and it allowed us to, to bring together you know, a group of product experts because that's where it really started for us. It's, we just started by listening. We had the idea and then we assembled some, some people who were genuine experts, genuine authorities on um, the naturopathic community, the medical community, the scientific community. And we just asked them, you know, what's, can you create a quality product? What are some of the barriers that are preventing these current brands from, from delivering that? And it went from something at that point, Kay, that we thought we could create and, and wanted to create to something we needed to create because 
we kind of enveloped the entire supplement category throughout the world and just noticed that it was a consistent theme of mm. sub-therapeutic ingredients, low bioavailable ingredients, um, and this purposefully driven complexity where um, a single brand would have a hundred different supplement SKUs. And so for us, it was really about how do we simplify this for our community? How do we simplify it for a discerning and intelligent audience? And how do we build quality products that not only do what we say they're going to do, but also through the process of delivering them to people, we're looking after the environment, we're looking after communities, we're investing back into conservation. So that kind of led us to to 2017 when we officially launched um, the brand. Incredible. I love that. And it's for me, like as somebody who helps a lot of people start businesses, I think that's the first step, right? Is like where um, if you can create a business, and I'm seeing this more and more so, that comes from a genuine problem that you've experienced, it is it can be so powerful in, you know, or driving everything because you're your own target market, right? Exactly. I, and I think that that's where it always needs to start is what are we solving? And I, I definitely hear, because I talk to a lot of young people as well or, or young people that want to start a, a brand and they feel like there's this sense of rush or that they need to rush because all of the problems in the world are, are going to be solved or are being solved. But what, what we need to remember, and this is something I learned while I was in Switzerland, is that when we create new brands, new products, new services, we're evolving as a society through solving our current problems, we're also creating other problems. So there are always going to be um, these sliding door moments of uh, opportunity. And that is when I think we were talking about earlier, if you have a genuine passion, you uh, are so drawn to a meaningful project or piece of work and that opportunity arises, then you're in the best position to, to help solve that. But trying to create a brand or a product just by virtue of wanting to do that for almost the sake of it is definitely not the way to, to go about it. And this sense of kind of needing to do it quickly is also not something you need to worry about because, as I said, there's always going to be this revolving door of, of opportunity and it's just about being in the right place and with the right preparation to act on that opportunity when it does arise. Yeah, no, that is fabulous advice. And I think I, th- I was actually going to ask you that question about how long did that kind of innovation development stage take? Because um, actually one of your neighbours, Nagnata, Laura from Nagnata down down the road from I where you are in Bayern. Yeah. yeah. Um, she, you know, I, I was so inspired by Laura's story um, a few weeks back on the podcast that she shared about, you know, really going in and developing her um her concept and idea and and seeking um you know supply chains that were aligned to her and you know spending so much time on her design and doing things from that real deep space and I think that's a great point you rise around you know a lot of the time the startup community can be very like scale fast get to market you know snap up your your place in the in the marketplace and that can also be detrimental, right? Because you means that you can enter the marketplace with something that maybe people don't really need, or is it is you know missing a few certain elements that people are actually looking for as a point of difference. Um, so yeah, do you want to share a little bit about like what? So was it twenty fifteen to seventeen? You kind of spent in um, that research, development, innovation space. 
Yeah, that's right. So it was, it was just over two years from when we had the first or put the first idea on a page to when we had something that we were really proud of delivering. And two years of kind of dedicated, um, you know, we were still working full time, but it was kind of consuming every other element of our lives at that point. So it's, it was a significant body of work. And for us, it was more about assembling, you know, the genuine experts. And this is a question we often get is, um, you know, where did the product development side come from knowing that Sasha and, and I are not from, you know, a medical community ourselves. But that also gave us the opportunity to ask a series of what at the start were really simple and basic questions and when we couldn't be given clear and clean answers that satisfied us it kind of propelled us to keep going and sometimes when if you're the naturopath yourself you know you have one view of product development but we were able to assemble a team of 10 naturopaths medical professionals compounding pharmacists and microbiologists in Australia but also as I said we had um, two particular people that were working for us out of Switzerland. So we had this kind of local but global um, medical but uh, naturopathic uh, kind of coming together and we were able to aggregate kind of, I guess, the wisdom of, of that crowd to, to give us the best possible perspective of uh, what we should create and what we can create so that we were genuinely solving the problem that we sought out to, to solve. And yeah. that process did take two years, but it's, it was a large body of work. And I remember we even were looking at one point at not only what do we want to create and what does the science and the evidence suggest that we should create, um, but if we then go down this path of this particular formulation, who are the farmers that can provide our botanical-based and plant-based ingredients, um, and then really evaluating the supply chain you know, through yeah. to the, the very end. And that was a really important part of the process. But now it's become something that consumers are really seeking. They want to know that the supply chain is short, transparent, authentic, and particularly in our space, something that's really developed over the last two to three years is uh, what's called in ingredient counterfeiting. And as an example, rosehip oil, which is one of the most um, consumed topical skincare oils in the world is actually um, the most counterfeited ingredient in the world because it closely reflects the molecular structure of fish oil. So a lot of rosehip oil that uh, manufacturers are using and even brands are using um, starts actually as fish oil and is, is counterfeited and sold as rosehip oil. So yeah. when you kind of hear stories like that and you see the data that this kind of activity exists in the health and wellness space, it became really important for us to, to have a really strong compliance and regulatory piece internally so that we could make sure that we're vetting not only our manufacturers and our partners but also where we're sourcing the products and the, the ingredients from directly. And that's actually where Sash and I's main fascination lies. It's working with these farmers to really secure and procure the best ingredients in the world and knowing that they're kind of looking after the soil, harvesting their crops organically, biodynamically, looking after their teams that are, that are helping harvest those botanical ingredients. And that's something that we're really proud of. And that was something we built into the business from the very beginning, which was really important to our point of difference. 
I love that. And it's about finding like, you know, you're not from that medical space, but you naturally consume, you know, you're in the chemist naturally looking for these products anyway. You found that they didn't exist. And instead of trying to be the expert on it, you went and, you know, leveraged other people's experts, which I think is a really, you know, key to you know, business. You don't have to do it all. It's about finding people who are better than you at some things and, um, and, and leveraging and working with people who are the best, um, which is incredible. And I think that leads me to this question around um, where did that ethics and, you know, I we were chatting before and, you know, when I did my research on Bear, your ethics and your value of um, sustainability and, you know, eth- building an ethical brand, like everything from, you know, the glass that you're using for your supplements and the packaging that you're using and you guys have an element of, of giving back with every purchase and you're a certified B Corp, which is incredible. I know how hard that process is. So congratulations on that. Yeah, thank you. It's it's something that's really been inherent to I. I think our personal stories and our family stories, I think we were very lucky um, to both have parents such and I that really instilled the value of resource scarcity and looking after the planet, looking after animals, looking after ourselves and the interconnectedness of all species that kind of live on the planet. And I think that's what COVID's probably shared and taught us all again probably is that how interconnected we are as a society and as species. Um, but it wasn't until at a professional level that I was uh, finishing my MBA in, in Switzerland and at that time was doing a project for the World Economic Forum, which for those that aren't familiar with, um, brings together private, very large, but sometimes small private enterprise and companies to, I guess, join their resources collectively to solve um, public or challenges that exist in a community. And I guess a lot of the conversation at the World Economic Forum at the moment is about, you know, how do we use private enterprise to solve the sustainability issues that we're facing in terms of global warming? And it was at that moment working on this project for the World Economic Forum that it really crystallised to me that businesses, they need first and foremost to be commercially sound because without that, you can't actually deliver anything of value beyond a product or service. But beyond building a a business model that is successful and sustainable, it should be a vehicle for solving problems. It should be a vehicle for leaving a legacy um, to the planet, to our children, to animals that don't have a voice. And that really was instilled in the Bear Brand right from the beginning. And that's something we're really proud of because, again, I think it is easy to create a brand, to build a brand and say when we're successful, we'll kind of retrospectively become sustainable or ethical or let's just do things as cheaply as possible now so that we can be successful. But if there's one thing I hope Bear teaches everyone is that we can do both. You can create a really successful brand um, from the ground that is highly ethical, um, highly sustainable and has a really regenerative focus to it. And that's, we're really proud of. I mean, all of our products are made in Australia at a time when most supplementation and skincare products in our being manufactured offshore for purely cost uh, reasons. We are now certified carbon neutral. All of our products are plant-based, so there's no um, animal product or animal-derived product or animal testing in any of our products and no third party does on our behalf. And to your point, 100% of our 
glass is 100% recycled medical grade amber glass. And that's a really, a really important piece because, and I mentioned this recently to a, an, another forum, but for any brand that exists on a shelf, that brand has a choice around how they package their products. And you can always take the commercially sensitive decision, which is what's cheapest, but we also need to take the decision about what's the, what has the biggest impact on the planet. And that should be factored into the decision-making process for all new brands and people that are starting new brands. And we should be holding brands that make, I think, the short-term selfish decision to use the cheaper um, plastic, toxic alternatives and voting every day with the brands that we do want to use, which are using glass, which are using recycled cardboard, which are using recycled papers for their labels. You know, these are the things that hopefully are starting to, to reach the general consumer. And if Bear can help be a vehicle for, for challenging the notion that you can build a, a luxury brand, a sustainable brand, and one from the ground up, um, we hope that, that that really inspires the next generation of, of entrepreneurs and founders. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, it's so inspiring to hear. And I think you're you're so on point with, the, you know, there's so many people out there who can watch the news and, and the climate crisis and, and, you know, go to even protests and sign petitions and things. But, some, you know, we all have choices every single day. Like, you know, there's a, a large portion of people who do choose to um, take vitamins or, skin, you know, buying skincare and to have to choose with your money and where you spend that with a brand that is you know sustainable and and having or leaving zero impact um is a way that you can help every single day so yeah that's fabulous and, and that's really and sorry to cut you off yeah. there, but that's really the message of b corp as well because for those that aren't familiar b corp is a, a third party ethical business verification and for us, that process took 18 months of them really reviewing and auditing our business to become a certified B Corp. And there's kind of a lens externally that B Corporation means you're sustainable. And it definitely has that built within it. But also a really important part is inclusivity, um, diversity, looking after communities, looking after people, um, just as much as looking after the planet and operating in a sustainable and regenerative regenerative way so when you're looking to to support ethical brands as a consumer that's what b corp really stands for you know it's a brand that you can trust what's being said and you can trust that the work's being done behind the scenes to really support and empower the people and the processes that have delivered that product to you and that's a really good point that you can vote every day with the brands that you're choosing and consuming and that's a responsibility we all share Absolutely. And I think, you know, we were talking earlier and I did some, I've been doing some workshops on this of late and writing about it in the book, is this whole idea of understanding your own or developing your own brand values. And I think if you can build them from a place of you genuinely couldn't live with yourself, if you were putting a brand out there that didn't have these elements to it, um, then it makes it easier for you to ensure, you know, because you ethically believe in it, you know, with everything that you do in your own personal life and you know I think it's easy for brands to come along and say or, or entrepreneurs to come along and say oh yeah yeah we're, we're gonna donate this or whatever which is lovely and it's nice but um 
yeah, challenging them to go that one step further and be like, okay, if you really believe in this and because it also can be a marketing tactic, right? Like it's easy to to go, oh, yeah, we'll be ethical and, um, you know, kind of splash that about as a, as a marketing tactic, but it's not lived and breathed from the brand and therefore can actually sometimes do more damage than good. Yeah, exactly. And the concept of greenwashing is evolving and probably growing and maybe in and of itself it's not a bad thing if more brands, even at a surface level, are talking about sustainability. But as we were talking about earlier, that then becomes a, a greater challenge for consumers because they're then being tasked with how do I decode what this brand's saying and can I believe it and is it all the way through their business or is it just surface level versus yeah, this brand is fully and entirely committed yeah. to delivering on that sustainability and ethical principle. So that that is absolutely a hard thing, but I, I would just encourage if people are listening to this wanting to start and found a business, start it with, with working with B Corp. And B Corp is an amazing resource for thinking about uh, ethical foundations to build a business. And not only that, they've got some amazing toolkits about things you should be concerned about and things you should be thinking about just from a commercial standpoint because the more b corps and the more certified b corps that exist in the world the greater i think the influence that the b corp movement can can stand behind and that is really like i said before about trust integrity transparency you can trust what the b corps are saying whereas you can't trust unfortunately what some of these uncertified brands are saying and doing yeah absolutely great advice um, and so, like, whilst we're on the topic of values, I think something that um, we were chatting about also before is, you know, take, so you, you come back to Australia and you've got this idea for a business, you're concepting the, um, the product range. What were some of the first things you did? And I know that we were chatting about some of your um, marketing tactics that weren't necessarily, you know, I guess your values went all, go all through even into your marketing and the way that you do that and, you know, more so steering away from paid or influencer marketing where you're kind of getting a false review or, a, you know, a biased review, which is um, also what you set out not to do for the beauty industry in particular, um, but more so focused on um, building that community of people who would then validate that this is um, something that people would need beyond just you and Sasha, I guess. Yeah, well, I think it, for us it boiled down to editorial integrity and that's, um, for us it was about how do we bring, to your point, our community together and that existed across both people that were in traditional press who supported us very early on to, I guess, influencers, for lack of a better word, digital thought leaders um, mm-hmm. and also retailers. And one of our first activities was our first, what we called our Leaders of Style event, which we actually held in Byron Bay in the hinterland in in 2017 and that was literally a case of um, bringing a group of thought leaders um, progressive thinkers and i guess industry um, deep thinkers that we could really just communicate what bear was about there was no um, there was no pre-commitment around what they had to do for the brand there was no preconceived idea about what we expected from them we just wanted to use the opportunity to introduce the brand in a really authentic way and educate them. 
because I think that that's probably the key thing for us is the more people we educate about the science, about the evidence, the more clarity they have about why they want to take there and why they want to continue supporting there. And that's something that has existed in those forums where we've brought together, I guess, industry, but also more smaller forums when we're just having conversations with customers that have previously used another brand and then transitioned to Bear and then become a loyal Bear community member um, because they can see and feel the difference not only to themselves but the work that we're doing from a conservation, from an environmental and an ethical position. So for us, it's really always been about education because our message is so authentic, our commitment to quality is so so consistent, but it's important that we can get that message to as many people as possible. And those forums have really been uh, a catalyst to allow us to do that. And we've since held two others. When we launched into the US, we held one in Palm Springs at Frank Sinatra's former residence, um, which was if nothing else, a lot of fun, but also a a really um, strong education opportunity for the US, which is an even more confusing, complicated uh, beauty and wellness market than Australia, if that, if that is possible and believable, but, but it definitely is. And, and then we held one in India at the start of last year, really culminating in our, um, our certified B Corp status, which really brought together with India being the home of, um, really the home of wellness and the use of food as medicine. That was really a, a touchstone moment for us to start introducing our topical skincare brands and products that start to use some native, uh, local, but also international ingredients. Yeah, amazing. And I love that as a, um, you know, it validates that production process, right? So like two years of really, spending time on creating something that's quality that wasn't already in the marketplace that the world needed um, and had that really deep sense of ethical um, ethical values behind it, it means that it almost sells itself, right? All you have to do is put it in the hands of like-minded people. That That's firmly how we believe. I think, um, yeah, I think that that's absolutely what we believe and that's what the feedback has really been from our community. But to your point around the two years, it was also one was definitely putting together the product team and really evaluating, you know, the the science and the the ingredients. But the second part was also onboarding our suppliers. And to your point around manufacturing, it, it was such an important part of the business. And we had so many conversations over that two year period with potential manufacturing partners. And we were just blown away by some of the, again, the tactics and the opportunity um, that third parties can take away from brands. And we've had an amazing partner, which we've had from day one and has continued to evolve with the brand. But some of the conversations we had with manufacturers at the time were very much focused on we're taking on single orders from new brands and we don't expect them to replenish that order ever. And it kind of led led us to discover this mindset that, you know, even founders, you know, a lot of people want to start brands and businesses, but they're only thinking about that first order or that first kind of getting the product to market. But what we all need to be thinking about and what we were really building up there was what's the 10-year, 20-year strategy for the brand and, you know, is this partner going to service and support us through that plan? 
And that's something I think to your community should always be thinking about when you're onboarding a new supplier or partner that does play a pivotal role in your supply chain or your ability to deliver a service is that is this a partner and are the conditions for the partnership set up to deliver growth over a 20-year period? And if you're thinking like that, you're instilling so much inherent unconscious value into the relationship and that I think is the basis for all amazing relationships. And like I said, because we did that, we spent that time, um, you know, we've had repeat, continued repeat orders with this partner. They've now allocated certain specific lines just for bear and they've, you know, given us a platform which we would never have gotten had we kind of pursued some of the other manufacturing partners that we, we discussed partnering with. So it's a good lesson, I think, for your community as well about, you know, one, you've got to be focused on your product and service, but two, you've also got to be heavily focused on who are these third parties that do play a really significant role and how do you structure those relationships to deliver value over a very long-term horizon and that delivers yeah. long-term value. Absolutely, and I think, you know, value seems to be a good topic, a reoccurring topic with us, but um, the whole idea around, um, you know, you guys making these ethical choices, you know, from I've I've just had my bear hand-delivered last night, thank you to your team, Zoe, Um, but, you know, experiencing the packaging is so quality and and, um, the branding and, you know, everything that you do has you know, what, yeah, that luxury vibe to it. And, you know, the, I, I thoroughly read all of the packaging because I was doing my background research and seeing how ethically sourced and, you know, you don't put any of those extra random things that people send, tend to slip into um, most beauty products. Um, so it has that really beautiful, you know, clean feel to it, not only in the packaging but in the ingredients. How much um, was the, like, have you had to take big risks or, you know, was it hard to find people who were prepared to do it? And, you know, what was it like for you guys knowing that your production costs perhaps were going to be higher and, you know, getting, I guess, putting, positioning yourself into that marketplace, into that luxury as a new brand. um, And then, yeah, I guess kind of covering the cost of that startup that meant that you were going to be, you know, ethical to a T. Yeah, it, I mean, it absolutely is a big risk, but I think anything worth taking and pursuing in life always is. And we had this philosophy, even before Bear, this insight that food, you know, when you go to a supermarket or a farmer's market, um, the concept that food should be really cheap was something that's been ingrained in our kind of societal culture post industrialization. And we've kind of just come to assume that if something's over four or five dollars in a supermarket, that it's too expensive and you shouldn't buy it. And that is something we're trying to unwind. And we were unwinding on a personal front because we moved to Byron Bay from Melbourne. We now shop almost exclusively for produce at the farmers market, and it is definitely more expensive. But the nutrient density of that food, the small and local family that you're supporting by buying that produce, the taste, you know, all of those things are far superior to what you would buy in a supermarket. And it really reversed the concept that food should be the cheapest thing that we buy. And it's exactly the same with when we started with supplements. We were really cognizant that, yeah, looking at how ethical we were, how committed we were to quality, how we committed we were to 
our uh, authentic supply chain and then delivering uh, all of the things that we've spoken about from being 100% recycled medical grade glass to um, being completely clean and non-toxic, which is extremely hard because there's a lot of ingredients that, to your point, Kay, are just standard in certain products because of the role they play at a biology level and we refuse to use them. We refuse to use things like palm oils, which are, again, almost exclusively in all supplements. So we had all of these decisions which added cost, added time, um, but we were just so confident in the ability to educate customers that supplements shouldn't be the cheapest thing you buy. You know, again, we've been conditioned that supplements should be something you buy only when they're on sale at a discount chemist as a general rule, but they shouldn't. They should actually be one of the most expensive things. If they're made with quality, if they're really bioavailable, if they're highly therapeutic, if the ingredients are doing what the brand is saying they're going to be doing, then you feeling more engaged at work, you having more energy, you not getting run down and sick, that is the cheapest investment that you'll ever make. So I think for us, it was always inherent that we felt confident that we could educate and communicate in a way that allowed people to understand and change their behaviours that have just been reinforced by the, the capitalist system of discount chemists and big supermarkets. And that, as I said, started from food, but it's now progressing to ingestible products and it's now progressing even further to skincare products. And I think that that's something we're really proud of as well is that hopefully Bear's been able to, to champion that story to deliver really meaningful education to our community so that they can just make the informed decision about how and what products and ingredients they want to invest in. Yeah, absolutely. I remember watching um, Food Matters, of the documentary, a number of years ago and instantly became vegetarian and yeah. then... Um, and but one of the things that stood out for me is like we're we're no longer eating food we're eating food like products you know it looks yeah. like food it tastes like food but what's the the purpose we eat food is a nutritional value and you know when was the last time you checked how long that you know frozen meal or whatever that imported vegetable has what what, what its actual purpose in your life is um yeah. Yeah, so I, I guess like what I think you guys have executed so well and when we asked our Instagram community community for questions for you today, Sam, one of the big ones that kept coming through was um, nailing your branding and and obviously you entered, you, I mean, understanding where you came from, it now makes a lot of sense is you, you knew how to execute and, you know, obviously communicate a luxury brand. Um, but then, you know, have, having self-started this, did you guys have funding along the way or have you had, is it self-funded or yeah. Yeah, how did you go? <laughs> yeah, we're entirely self-funded. So it's um, talking about risk. It's, it's definitely been um, a personal risk and, and we also have a, a third non-executive director who, who supports. But early on we put together an advisory board um, thinking and acting probably like a lot bigger business than, than we were and still are. But we were really fortunate. I think by virtue of my MBA and Sasha's network, we put together an incredible advisory board who have been the same group of people from almost day one to, to today. And that included, you know, an ex-supply uh, chain executive from ASOP, um, a marketing manager that was involved in 5AM organic yogurt, Tom's organic um, hygiene products to, you know, a lawyer who had worked in significant kind of corporate 
um, both transactions and just operational legislative work. And, uh, you know, that group has just become such trusted advisors for the brand. You know, they, Sash and I will constantly be putting forward concepts and ideas and challenges and, and we collectively solve them, you know, on a quarterly basis. And we've actually increased the the point that we catch up with that group to monthly just because we're we're growing quite quickly at the moment. So I think always having these guiding principles, these guiding philosophies from multiple people and sources has been really important for Bear and um, that community, you know, Sasha and I are personally are so thankful for them because they've made us better people through the process, but they've also made Bear a better business. And that's something that um, has really, really helped accelerate the growth and the transition for the brand and take us from a, yeah, a small brand with very little capital to, to a brand that's really contributing in a meaningful way to both our customers and their wellness journeys, but also to the conservation and ethical commitments that we've made along the way amazing yeah i think it's so smart to um to pull in expertise where you feel like you need it so how have you gone from obviously um developing this concept and you know i think a lot of people do come in and try and cheap out on branding or you know just get to the marketplace quick um but what and I'm just going to ask you this because I know you've got that MBA background, so I think you can handle it. But what do you think is the the standards of why what you what were some of the keys to the success of executing this you know Byron Bay startup into the luxury wellness space? Well, a big part is is how we looked, and I think, like I said earlier, that was something that during that two year period, Sash was personally writing the copy. You know, we were crafting the story. We were talking to the, the ingredient providers and, and starting to really craft the copy that existed on the labels and the boxes and trying to capture, I think, the essence of the work that had been done and talking about um, strength of partnership. But we also at that time started working with our graphic designer and Dylan's been part of the business almost as a third founder um, in a part-time capacity since we launched. And I guess working so closely with our art director or um, so Sasha as our creative director and, and Dylan as our graphic designer uh, and the relationship that those two have, they've really been able to execute on. Um, yeah, I think the authenticity of, of the ingredient piece, the authenticity of the science and the evidence, and then Sasha and I have been able to, to communicate that to retailers, to wholesalers, to distributors, to our customers and I think that that's just something that's been inherent to our our personal professional lives you know we were I was lucky to have that experience in a, in a luxury brand and through my MBA and Sash was incredibly lucky uh, through the fashion industry to be exposed to buyers to be exposed to uh, marketing managers to be exposed to photographers and I think you start to piece together all of these different experiences and conversations and over a 10-year period and that's when I talked about timing earlier. I think the timing for us to launch Bear was perfect because sub subconsciously and also consciously we'd had both the conversations previously and the experience previously that really positioned us to translate Bear from an idea on a page to a luxury brand. Um, and if we'd done it any earlier, we perhaps wouldn't have had that experience and that ability. And if we'd done it later, perhaps we might have had you know, it might have become harder because we weren't as naive and to the industry and the category. So, 
you know, timing, we believe very strongly in the power of timing. And I think that that's the point I was making right at the start of the call is that you should never feel like you need to rush the process because timing has a strong and um, very positive way of finding you. You know, when the timing is right to launch a brand, it will be right. And any sooner or any later and it becomes, you know, a, a much different, much more challenging proposition. But that's, yeah. I think, at the core of why we were able to do it because our experience to that point had really endowed us with the, the ability to do so. Yeah, and I think, like, just on observation because my mind ticks over and I'm like, how do you guys do this? You know, like, hit, hit the top of the rain, uh, the ladder and, and, and get these global distributions and this incredible reputation. And I think, like, on my observation, it's that you had um, such a deep sense of what you're doing and why you were doing it you know and then so you you knew that you were backing yourself with your price point and everything that you're creating because you knew the quality and the value that people would be buying and i yeah you know, i was recently reading Seth Godin's stuff and he says that exact point right if somebody's value is ethicalness and you know beautiful clean design and clean ingredients then for them it seems like a bargain i know that was definitely my experience with shopping yeah. with you guys I think so. And society as well is shifting. I think we went through this kind of 90s, 2000s movement where it was materialistic consumption and accumulation where things to be proud of and showed off. And But it's unwinding and people, again, post-pandemic, I think are really looking at, you know, what if, if I only want to buy a few things, what are those things? And it's this less is more, but better quality across fashion, across food, across beauty and wellness you know i think people want to support brands that are that are committing and reinforcing their own personal values but also things that are going to last and going to provide value over a long period of time and as an example you know we we worked with an artist um on our what was then called our high summer but our holiday duet packaging in late 2017 and we still send um empty glass bottles to her to use as part of her painting um kind of set up you know so there's value in every part of the bear brand and that's just one small example i guess of that even when you finish the product you've got the value and the benefit from it personally that there's still other uses for the quality of our products whereas if it's a plastic container you know it's probably just going straight in the bin so mm. You know, there's value that can be derived all the way along a brand like ours, but also, you know, in fashion, like I said, people are wanting to buy a quality jacket that will last them the next five years or 10 years, or maybe it's something that then they hand down to their children. And that's something that didn't exist, I think, in the early 2000s and when we were kind of teenagers and and really growing up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Back to the topic of self-funding just quickly, because I know everybody likes this question. Was there fear in jumping in with this and investing, you know, obviously your own funds and, and backing yourselves and putting this out into the world? Did you experience fear along the way? Yeah, I think so. It's, um, it's amazing because at the time, and I think this is the naivety of it, you, you probably don't or you don't acknowledge it, but I think looking back, Sasha and I definitely feel that we were taking a leap Um. But for us, it was more a leap of other risk. You know, financial is one, but as I said before, I think personally we've never been really gravitated towards money. And 
money doesn't dictate success for us. So I think some founders and some brands are really just chasing a evaluation or a, an exit. And that's, that's not what we're chasing or building with there. It's more about a legacy brand, hopefully a pioneering brand that genuinely helps consumers all over the world with wellness, but also contributes really meaningfully to the activities that we want to can contribute to on an ethical basis. But, you know, money doesn't define success. And so when you talk about the risks associated financially, I don't think that that was where the fear stemmed from. I think it was more a fear of uh, reputation. We were staking our personal reputations and uh, I was leaving a really good opportunity in a corporate environment where I probably could have continued to grow um, and become a, you know, part of the global Daimler Mercedes-Benz family. You know, they were probably more the fears that, you know, the opportunity costs, I guess, of doing one thing and, and saying no to another. But I don't think financially was necessarily a big one because, and we were really lucky, we travelled when we were really young and have always travelled regularly. But when we were a bit younger, we stayed with um, a, an old guy in the south of France, Albert, and we've actually stayed with him for many years after that first time. But he said to us, kind of like a wise old uh, Frenchman, he said that, you know, money will come and go and it's the experiences and, and the moments along the way that, that are the most meaningful. And at the time, again, I don't think we really appreciated it being in our early 20s, but I think that that still rings entirely true is that, and if there's one thing, again, that COVID's taught us is that money doesn't protect you from these things really it doesn't really mean anything at the end of the day. So when you break that down to that level, you know, you can earn money, you can spend money, but it's not the ultimate deciding factor. And for us, as, as I said, I think the fear really stemmed from reputation and taking yeah. a chance on a new, completely new concept. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And and I think the cool thing about that, and I've, I've heard a little bit through Bianca, who was a mutual contact for us, um, is you guys have become a family. You've just had your first baby. Yes, thank you, little Atlas. Is, uh, Congratulations. Yeah, nearly four months. So it's gone and quicker. so that was, a, that was another popular question we had through Instagram and, you know, obviously I get asked this all the time and having not been a parent, what has been that, um, I guess, like, you know, working for yourselves, you guys get to um, design your life around your family as well now. Um, but what's, yeah, what's it been like running this, you know, growing company with um, a new baby coming in, you guys being the two head honchos? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's definitely been challenging, but it's also, I think, opened our eyes to this new perspective and this new level of productivity, actually, because I, I thought when I was completing my MBA part-time, working full-time, that I was productive, but I've, I've reached a new level of productivity, having <laughs> to really... <laughs> define work and home life but I think that it, that itself is something we've over the last few years especially since moving to Byron really challenged is this concept of having a work life and a and a home life and the two being kind of in opposition to one one another whereas we've tried to define our lives as just life bears obviously a big part of life and by virtue of that we work almost seven days a week almost all day but we're really fortunate that we get to um, cherry pick moments where we can just spend with Atlas and take Atlas for a walk and go and have lunch together. And then, you know, we work again in the evening, but 
I think it's just given this this new perspective of being flexible, being dynamic and being open to your schedule. Uh, but at the same time, we're also really challenging um, our partners and our suppliers to slow down a little bit because I think as well this concept of having 10 or 20 year visions for a brand gives you that confidence that we're going to execute on everything we want to execute on mm-hmm. over that period. We're going to deliver the brand that we know and, and are confident in delivering. So there is no rush to do this today or this week. Let's really evaluate it. And often with that mindset, you do change tack because new inf- information comes to light, uh, new research becomes available, or you might change your opinion or you might get a new opinion. And suddenly what would have been an executed idea that you now no longer want to execute, you've actually evolved that idea. And I think this concept of slow strategy is really important and something we've tried to champion at Bear is that take your time through the decision-making process, aggregate all the possible perspectives and insights and data that you possibly can, and then slingshot execution. You know, be quick to execute, but really slow to make decisions. And that's something we've tried to push to our suppliers and partners. And again, it's kind of like we're pushing against this societal community-led need because, you know, the, the advent of the phone and the smartphone, we're all wanting to do more. We need to be doing more to be seen to be productive and successful. And But it's actually the opposite is true. You know, if we do less but better quality, you know, the world will be a better place. So that's mm. definitely a philosophy that we have internally and in managing the family dynamic. Um, it's yeah. it's definitely challenging, but it's also been the most fun I think we've ever had. So it's um, keeping our hands full. It's so incredible and I love that because it just really sums up everything that we've talked about today, which is, you know, really taking your time to produce something of great value that the world actually needs, you know, integrate your your personal values and ooze that throughout your whole brand and be integral to that um, and then executing, you know, on point with your branding and um, your suppliers and everything. So, congratulations on incredible so nice to hear the some of the backstory i feel like we could we could keep going but i i won't um take up too much more of your time so maybe to wrap us up we could get what would be your number one tip and i feel like i think you might be my first um interview with somebody who has an mba so you're probably more qualified than i am um in giving business advice so do you want to fire away if you were to give one piece of advice to somebody out there looking to start their own business what would be yours? Well, I mean, without sounding a little bit negative to, to be positive and broadening the, the question a little bit to become a little bit more focused in how I answer it, I, I think it's, and we've spoken about this throughout the, the call, but I think it's really about uh, moving away from this kind of age of entrepreneurship and founding and starting new businesses to more meaningful work. And it needs to be authentic. It needs to be meaningful and you need to be passionate about it. They're kind of the givens. But you also need to ask yourself, does the world really need this? Does the world have a legitimate problem that, that I'm solving? Um, does it keep me up at night if I, you know, because I'm so passionate about solving this problem? And if you can't authentically answer those questions, then like I said before, the timing's not right to do it. But it doesn't mean you can still kind of percolate the idea and, still develop it over time and then when the time is right really executing it quickly because i think we've lived in this world of we were one of the first wellness brands as an example to be on netta porter and mr porter 
And now, you know, there's close to 100 brands in that space. So there's clearly been this imitation game that's existed and that exists in every category, right? There's always going to be, you know, first to market, second to market, and then a bunch of brands that look to imitate the success of those brands. But that's not what we need, both as consumers and as a as environmentalists we don't need more for the sake of more we just need to be looking to solve the right collection of problems and so that would be the questions that i'd encourage everyone to ask because not only does it take us to a more sustainable foundation but it also takes you to a much more commercially savvy uh, foundation from which to build a business if you're only imitating a, a category or brand because you want to be a founder or you want to call yourself an entrepreneur or a ceo you know, it's not a strong enough example and you won't last, you won't have that 10-year plan, that 20-year plan, and you won't last that period. And without sounding negative around that, that's the reality of the competitive dynamic that exists for new businesses. So I often encourage young people that if you have an idea, try and find someone because there's probably someone out there in the world doing it, try and find them and try and work for them or try and consult mm-hmm. them or try and contribute to what they're doing. And if after working for them, you still find that your solution is more meaningful, more uh, going to be delivering more value, then convince them to join you or then at that point go out and become a competitor to them. But, you know, this concept of just creation and churn and newness, we really need to get out of both as consumers and, and founders. So that's Amazing. definitely something we believe in and hopefully we can... Um, yeah, contribute to that going forward. Absolutely. Great advice. Thank you, Sam. And for those listening at home, um, the team at Bear have kindly offered a discount code. So if you would like to go and check out their supplements, I'm personally checking out the Perform and the Explore and I've got the face oil as well. I put my my full order in as my research for the brand. Um, so you can use the code STARTUP15 for a 15% off discount at Bear ltd.com thank you so much for that generous offer sam and team and thanks for sharing your story today no thanks for having me guys look forward to talking again soon amazing thank you thanks Kay. Thank you so much for tuning into the Startup Creative Podcast. If you get a chance, head to iTunes and leave a rating and review. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you get notified every time there's a new podcast up. See you next week.